Amen. You can be seated. Hey, everybody. Good morning. My name's Dell. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here. And we're continuing our series this morning in Romans. So we're in Romans chapter 12. Um, as we sang in the song, uh, we are all on a journey of coming into contact with the goodness of God, which is all around us. Um, as the goodness of God penetrates our hearts, as it reaches us, we are caught up in a way of life. Um, it's not only a way that leads to eternal life after we die, but it's an eternal kind of life. And so all the things that, that Jesus teaches us as we're following him um, not only have import for the life to come, but they actually enrich and lead to an abundant life. That's what Jesus actually said. He said, I have life to give you that is overflowing. It's to the max. Um, and so as we come to the teachings of Jesus, we actually come to an invitation to participate with God in the enriching of our own life, but the life of those around us and the world that we live in. Um, this text this morning, while well, it comes to us as an admonition in verse 13 of Romans 12, uh, I hope we, as you walk out the door this morning, you will see how richly it is an invitation uh, to the kind of life that all of us really, really want. Okay, so here's the, here's the text. When God's people are in need, be ready to help. And then this period there and then a sentence, always be eager, always be eager to practice hospitality. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Now, when you think of the word hospitality, what do you think of? What comes to mind immediately? Say what? A party, yeah. How many of you, when you kind of think of that, you think about having people over or maybe, well, maybe hosting people in your home? Um, and it's certainly, it's certainly um, that is certainly one expression of hospitality. But here's, as you look at this word, it actually means to be a lover of strangers. A lover of strangers. That's what the word actually, actually means. And hospitality, I want to suggest to you as we think about this a little more deeply, um, is not just entertaining. Um, it's literally to be a lover of strangers. And at the heart of the drive behind this way that Jesus is inviting us into is an eagerness not just to impress people, you know, by getting the house all tidied up and putting on a great party, but really it's, it's about expressing love in all of its various manifestations. So when we get into the heart of hospitality, what we're really talking about is the flow of love from God through a person that reaches others. Now, in ancient times, hospitality, which was a huge value in a lot of, really around the world, uh, hospitality is still a super high value of a lot of cultures, in part because if you think about ancient times or, or maybe cultures that are not as, as wealthy as we are, when you're a traveler or a stranger or a foreigner, in a place without social services, without hotels, uh, literally the practice of hospitality stood between you and being out in the cold, literally. I mean, you literally could die from a lack of hospitality. And so when people talked about hospitality uh, in, these, in this kind of an era, they were thinking in terms of, of necessity. Like, uh, it's, it, was, it was the thing that stood between you, literally sometimes, and the dangers of the night. In modern times, we've got hotels, right? We've got social services. We've got some options. 
uh, when we find ourselves isolated and alone. But do you know that in modern culture, in our culture, where in some ways we have more of everything, we have less of one thing? That's a sense of connection. Uh, we have an epidemic, in fact, of, estra- of estrangement, of loneliness um, in our culture. Recent research shows that one in four people, when asked, report a very high level of loneliness. And over 50% of people in our culture would say that I am actually just lonely. I mean, they would, they would choose that category to say, the quality of my life is lonely. Now, it turns out, when you look a little deeper, that loneliness actually is correlated to a lot of very critical things for the human person. Loneliness is correlated to your health. We actually have a suicide epidemic um, among our youth, but also, you know, I was reading this morning, uh, four more police officers in the last 24 hours uh, in one county committed suicide. Loneliness is correlated, of course, to our sense of satisfaction and happiness in life. We might say this, the greatest longing of the human heart is actually to be seen and to belong. And we know that. Think about your experience. There is nothing more beautiful, more satisfying than to know that you are seen and that you actually belong. There is nothing more painful than to believe at any level that you are alone, that no one really understands, that no one really sees, and worse, that no one even cares. The greatest agony of the human heart is to feel alone. Now, in, interestingly, in 1938 at Harvard, the longest single longitudinal study in the history of social science research got launched in 1938 at Harvard. They wanted to study what actually makes people happy. So they took a sampling of hundreds, of a huge study uh, of people from all walks of life, all economic strata, all racial backgrounds, and they wanted to see if they could figure this out, and they wanted to follow people over a lifetime. We stand 85 years later now with some of the results in our hands of that study. And here is the summary, this is a quote, uh, from the research project. Contrary to what you might think in terms of the question, what makes people happy, it is not career achievement, it is not money, exercise, or health habits that leads to happiness. So they had people from all kinds of you know, uh, life paths that had all kinds of outcomes. And what they found is, once, as they parsed that data, it was not actually climbing the, the career ladder or the socioeconomic ladder or having more of all these things. It was not even was not even the quality necessarily of their health that ultimately related to their happiness. Listen to this. The most consistent finding we've learned from 85 years of study is that positive relationships was the single correlate to happiness and health. And ultimately, people who had stronger social connections ended up living longer for various reasons. Over 85 years. Now, it's interesting that this ancient text in the wisdom of Jesus, uh, it's interesting that Jesus as the Lord of life, not only the Savior of the world, but also the smartest person who ever lived, is dialing in a prescription 
for us that is so important to your happiness, to your health, to your well-being in the world that we live in. And it's summed up in this phrase, be eager to practice hospitality. Okay? Now, here's what hospitality is. It's not just entertaining. Hospitality is making room for an outsider in your life to become an insider. That's what it is. It's more than a meal, more than a party. It's a way of being that approaches people around you that says, you know, there is room. There's room in my heart for you. So hospitality. We're going to talk about five ways we can practice it or what it is. Here's the first. Hospitality is simply welcome. It's a welcome of spirit. It's a perspective inside of our own souls that knows something about our own belonging, the fact that we are seen and loved by God and has room through experience to extend that to somebody else. To be welcomed, we might say it this way. This is, I think we could back this up not only from biblical wisdom but from the hard sciences of what we know about life is to be welcomed, to have space, to belong in someone's life is as necessary to human beings as food and water and air. Now think about that for a second. Absolutely true. You can have all the ingredients of what will keep you alive physically, but if you don't have this, if you don't have belonging, if you don't have welcome, somewhere in your life, life ceases to be worth living and hope dissipates. And part of what it means to be a Christian is to be, is to be, to be caught up in a deep soul knowledge that there is, in fact, a hope that does not disappoint because the love of God undergirds all, not just now, but forever, and that you will never be lost, in that sense, to the love of God. Now, let's think about this for a second. Why is hospitality, why is welcome so difficult in the world that we live in? Making room requires energy, right? And I don't know about you, but I have a few commitments in my life. Do you have a few of those? I mean, our energy is tapped in so many different directions. Making room takes openness. You know, I already have my political, social, maybe even religious opinions. And I've discovered in this world, they're not the same as a lot of other people, right? Have you noticed that? We're pretty polarized. And so, and so we make sometimes who is welcome and who is not welcome a matter of our agreement, right? And, and we bump up against each other in that way and miss one another. Making room takes a willingness to make room in your heart, as Dan has talked many times here, for one more. Stretches us out of the familiar, out of our comfort zones, and it really challenges us to the core to ask, do I have a spirit, before I even like host a party, do I have a spirit that has room? Or we might ask it this way, how much room do you have in your heart this morning for others, for something outside? Hospita hospitality says at the very core, I want to know you. 
as a person. You are not simply a project to me. You're not even my conversion project. You're not a category. You're someone made uniquely in the image of God who, just by the fact that you exist, deserves to be loved and devalued. And we know from experience that when someone sees us like that, it touches the deepest places of our hearts. Let me say this secondly. Hospitality is healing. Hospitality is healing. You know, we all would say we want the world to be healed. Our world needs healing. Well, when it comes to our strategies for this, at the very core of Jesus' plan for the world is to good news the world back together again. And at the core of that strategy is people who know how to heal through hospitality. Do you know that neuroscience now explains how the brain is formed from infancy? And do you know that our brains are formed, literally, our sense of I, the way we think, our sense of self is formed through interactive experiences of love. Now, we know this just by watching a mother and a baby, right? A baby who comes without language yet, without a sense of self yet. And there are thousands of interactions that look a little bit like this. I cry and you come. And based on the attunement and the, and the reliability of that loving interaction from someone outside of the self, the human person is formed. And we can also say this. We are also disintegrated by uneven, unloving experiences of relationship. Would you agree? Our sense of self, our sense of well-being, whether it's safe, whether it's predictable, whether life is worth living, literally is formed out of love and out of relationship. We're also disintegrated by unlove. That's why it's the greatest agony, the greatest fear, really the fear that is underneath all other fears. And all other adaptive strategies is this question, is love reliable enough to be counted on? It's not surprising then to learn that the only way that shame and fear and dysfunction can truly heal is through new experiences of relational love. Do you know that your nervous system is actually regulated up and down for good and for bad, by relationship and love, either experiences of this or not. Therefore, the most basic way to participate in the healing of someone else, now get this, guys, is just to be glad to see them. It's just to express a desire to be with them. Do you follow what I'm saying? Listen to this neuroscientist, Jim Wilder, talk about this. He's a Jesus follower, but did all of his research in the brain and the way it forms. Our ability to experience joy is primarily predicated on how we have experienced joy-filled relationships. We develop our capacity to experience joy within human relationships where we understand that someone is glad to be with me. Now listen to this. Real joy is the sparkle in someone's eyes 
when they see us that makes their faces light up. Do you know what I'm talking about here? The people that are most precious to you, that have had the greatest impact on you, are the ones that you know and you can see that they are actually delighted just to be with you. And can you stop for a moment to understand that at the heart of the universe is the smile of God whose eyes light up just because you exist? This is the heart of the universe. It's the most powerful force in humanity. And all of us carry around the ability to turn on or to turn off deep and precious things inside of other people simply through our presence or, as it may be, our non-presence to them. Do you know that Jesus knew this? As he walked around, part of his healing, part of his power from God was that he saw them. He saw people that normally never had the experience of just being seen, of being welcomed, of being loved. You see, hospitality at its core also is just a way of seeing. It's a way of seeing the other. When we really see a person as a person, we seek to show them love in a way that they will feel. See how this is so much different than trying to get your house tidied up for a dinner party? Now, that can be an expression of love. But what people need more than to be impressed by your dinner party is they need you to meet them where they are. Because hospitality speaks to a person in their own language. This is the way God speaks to us. He comes to us in the middle of whatever our situations are to communicate to us in our deepest places of vulnerability that he actually cares, that he's actually there, that he actually wants us still. And think of all the stories of Jesus that, that talk about this. We'll cover them in a minute. But consider, consider the person in front of you for a moment. What do they need? What is their life situation? Are they grieving? Are they celebrating? Are they pregnant? You shouldn't ask. Are they in school? Do they have kids? You see, there are as many ways to show hospitality, hospitality as there are different people and their situations. There is literally a world of opportunity to heal the world by seeing the people that are right in front of you. Hospitality, fourthly, is growth. It's your growth. Did you know that, ironically, studies of happiness show that your, your well-being actually depends on your practice of hospitality? Because... Others-centeredness is the key to happiness. Happiness is one of those elusive things that if you pursue it directly, it becomes, it slips through our fingers. The more you make self-happiness the project of your life, the more elusive it becomes, the more stuffed on the self, the more narrow, the more unhappy you become. 
happy people actually have learned a secret, that they are happy by making the happiness of another their priority. Now, Jesus knew this when he says to practice hospitality. He wants you to also to experience joy. He wants you also to invite and be wrapped into an interactive dance where relationships grow, which then flourish your joy. But also your holiness. Holiness, not just the keeping of rules, moral rules, but actually learning to love. Learning to give and receive love is at the heart of holiness. And this only comes through practice, so I find it interesting. This text, 12, 13. Be eager to what? To practice. Repetitions. Experiential learning. The only way we actually learn this is by jumping in and learning how to do it. Practicing hospitality, it turns out, forces me to open myself when everything in me wants to close myself. It causes me to take risks with things that are on the outside, right? When I would rather just stay huddled up. Unhurt, but also untouched. Hospitality forces me to deal with people who see the world and think about things really differently than I do. And for a while, that can be jarring. But also, we discover so much about who we are and what's available and what is beautiful and what is true as we're added to by the other. Practicing hospitality will challenge your pride. It will, it will push your selfishness. And in the end, what it causes a dynamic to be a part of our lives that causes us to grow, causes us to grow as human beings in love and experience in life and connections. Listen to this text. This is Luke, Jesus speaking. Uh, this is in the message. Listen to Jesus' words here for a minute, just through this lens. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way that our Father lives towards you, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind. You be kind. Give away your life. You'll find your life is given back. But not merely given back, given back with a bonus and a blessing. You see, giving, not getting is the way. Generosity begats generosity. Do you see the abundance of Jesus' mind, his perspective, his life? He's giving us the secret to an overflowing life. He wants us to practice hospitality because hospitality, friends, is actually heaven. You see, we learn what hospitality looks like from the hospitality of God who makes room in his heart for humanity. You see, right from the beginning of the Bible, this story of God and humans is a story of hospitality. What is Genesis 1, the first 
pages of the Bible where we're given our origins other than the story of a beautiful, eternal God who exists in a community of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, deciding to make us in their image, made for relationship, made from love, literally, through love, for love. Creating a world that is full of provision, of beauty, of goodness, of extravagance as a gift for human beings. What generosity, what hospitality. Then the story takes a dark turn as people unable to really trust the fidelity of this love betray it. Hide in the bushes, push the God of the universe away from the inner core. And God, through centuries, continues his relentless pursuit to make room in his heart for our return. Eventually, God sends his son, Jesus, to be the face, the human picture, the full expression of the extent of this incredible love, of this hospitality. Through stories, through miracles, through self-sacrifice, Jesus opens literally explicitly the heavens to the earth. He walks in front of people and says, I'm standing right in front of you. The heavens are open to you. God's love is open to you. In John 14, he tells stories about the Father's house, which in the ancient world, just, you just continue to add rooms. He says, actually, there's a room. There's a room for you in the Father's house. I'm going now to make it. For anyone who will come, the Father's house has infinite room in his heart for you. In Luke 15, Jesus tells us stories of lost people and things who the shepherd or the characters in the story pursue relentlessly because having the 99 does not fill the Father's heart without the one that's missing. He's trying to tell us he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. And at the cross, God is making this ultimate declaration of self-sacrificing hospitality to any part of us or to anyone who would still feel the estrangement to be his enemy. You see, friends, the radical hospitality of God means that there is room at the cross for you. We're going to take a minute just to reflect on that love, to try to download it. Trevor's going to lead us in a, in a song, and then I'll be back up to close our service. cross upon which Jesus died is a shelter in which we can hide 
And it's grace all free It's sufficient for me And deep is its fountain As wide as the sea There is room at the cross for you There is room at the cross for you Though millions have come, there's still room for one. There is room at the cross for you. Though millions have found him a friend and have turned from the sins they have sinned. Till the Savior waits to open the gates and welcome the sinner before it's too late. There is room at the cross for you. There is room at the cross for you. millions have come there's still room for one there is room at the cross yes there is room at the cross for you friends the more we experience the roominess, the height, the length, the depth, the width of God's hospitable love, the more we're ready and able to extend that love to others. So here is the benediction for you today. Now may you be empowered by the Holy Spirit to trust God's love to receive and to extend the hospitality of heaven, the unending hospitality of our great God. You're dismissed.